the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. By the Wall Street Business Network. This is Business 1440. KYCR, Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Trump says he's glad to see that the USMCA, the big trade accord that he's tried to work out with Canada and Mexico, is at long last working its way through the House of Representatives after months of delays caused largely by a focus on impeachment. We just made our big deal, as you know, with Mexico, Canada. We have a tremendous trade deal that's going through the House now. It's going to be obviously approved, and it's uh, tremendous for our country. Doctors say a study from the Women's Health Initiative found the risk of breast cancer lingers decades after patients stop taking hormones for menopause. Women who had an intact uterus and thus took progesterone along with the estrogen had a 29% increased risk of developing breast cancer. That's Dr. Teresa Bevers with Houston's MD Anderson Cancer Center. On Wall Street Friday, the Dow gained three points and NASDAQ up 17. This is SRN News. I had never been a trader. I hadn't even really studied a whole lot. And so I was I was brand new to this. My name's Sam. I'm a student with OTA. Tell me why you decided to take classes from Online Trading Academy. I just was kind of at a crossroads. I wanted to uh, look for my next business opportunity. And uh, financial markets had always just kind of appealed to me. Actually, what's nice about everything here with OTA, they can teach you to trade with very small amounts of money. Uh, and really build everything up from the ground floor. So you really don't need a lot of money to get going with this. Really amazing instructors. How has Online Trading Academy changed your life? I'm a little bit more in control of my destiny going forward. I'm not quite as worried about contract to contract to know that I have some other sources of income. Call today for a free investing class at 952-814-4410 or go to learnwithota.com. I'm Staff Sergeant Mark Anthony I'm Madrid. Staff Sergeant Smith Akal. I'm Staff Sergeant I'm Alex. Staff Stevens. Sergeant William Lewis, and I am proud to defend my family and our nation. The Air Force Reserve is part of the story of this great nation. I'm grateful that I have a chance to wear the uniform of the heroes that went before me. I am proud to be part of a team that helps make a difference in the world. Every day, men and women from communities across this nation serve as reserve citizen airmen. Even as technology evolves and changes, our commitment to defend and protect this nation remains steadfast. We celebrate those who have served and those who are proudly serving. We celebrate our proud history and look towards an exciting and uniting future. Our mission is to fly, fight, and win in air, space, and cyberspace. And I am proud to be a member. And I'm proud to serve in the United States. And I am proud to protect our country. Proud to serve in the U.S. Air Force Reserve. AFreserve.com. The views expressed on the following program do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management.
The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. It's the King Banyan Show. As an educator and former legislator, Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. Just say what you got, man. It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Now, here's King Banyan. Good morning and welcome, King Banyan Show. This is 1440. A brisk December morning, and welcome to you um, here. Uh, we are we are live for an hour today. If, if you're just tuning in and going, okay, I'm going to settle in and get a couple hours of the show, we're going to be cheering on the bison in the second hour as they, as they take over the airwaves here on Business 1440, beginning at 10 o'clock in their... In their uh, champion is this the championship game Wyatt or the semifinal I can't actually remember which I think it is. it's the semifinal but don't quote me on that yeah yeah and we're also cheering on uh, up here in uh, central Minnesota we're all cheering on the uh, the St. John's University team which is at uh, Wisconsin Whitewater uh, in the national semifinal for division three so so there's champ you know there are football championships happening that are done the real way where they actually make them all play rather than just finding some way to squeeze them into bowl games. I promise I won't talk any more about football today because we only have an hour. There's been a lot that's happened. There's a trade deal or we think there's a trade deal. It would make you everyone would make you think there's a trade deal. There definitely was an election in the UK. I stayed up I was obnoxious Thursday night to my poor wife because I was watching uh, I was watching the election returns from come in. I was watching Sky News during the evening, and we had a we we just had uh, I had a good time because all of a sudden I kind of know where the various constituencies are. So when one gets announced, I particularly because uh, last spring I spent uh, about ten days in the UK and on a on a study tour with a group of students studying Brexit. And we spent a fair amount of time up in the north where we discussed, uh, where we were talking with people up there. I'll get this, I'll get this point out of the way, and I'll, I'll tell you why we might talk more about it later today in a different environment. Uh, but um, my general impression was, all along, the people were simply sick of the topic and they wanted it to be done. Right when I talked to people, and it didn't matter if I was in London, or in Newcastle, or or in in the little town of Annick, where St. Cloud State University, where I work, and from which I'm speaking to you this morning, we have a program in a little castle in the very north of England, not very far from Hadrian's Wall, which separates England and Scotland, a wall that may become increasingly important over the next few years, uh, but. Um, no matter where I was, the general impression that I got from talking to anybody other than an academic like me was, just get this bloody thing done with. We're sick of talking about it. We're sick of hearing hearing about it. And that's why when I saw the, the way the campaign rolled out, we had three parties. One saying, get Brexit done. That was the Conservative Party, or the Tories, as they're, as they're popularly called. Labor, which basically said, we're going to rewrite the deal, and then we're going to have a vote on it. 
and we'll take that vote to the to a referendum and we are going to maybe campaign for it and maybe not campaign for it in the meantime here's this here's this really hard left socialist platform and you should vote for us for that that was the jeremy corbyn campaign and then there was you have to remember in in the uk there are now i would say four parties that you really have to pay a lot of attention to the third party the liberal democrats got wiped out because their stance which they actually put into the name of their party was we're going to revoke article 50 and we're going to undo the election of 2016 they got they got slaughtered the lead, their leader who has to run for her seat which was up in Scotland their leader lost by a fairly small amount but lost to the fourth major party which I now consider to be a major party in the UK, even though they're from only one one of the four nations that constitute the United Kingdom, Scotland, the Scottish National Party. One appears to be 49 seats, up from 31 seats. They were the other big winners. And one of the seats they took out was the woman from the Liberal Democrats who was basically saying, we're going to undo what happened in 2016. Which meant that this thing was going to go on for a lot longer. So frankly, the result of the Brexit campaign was pretty simple. What people voted for was, just get it over with, we're sick of this thing. Move on. Find something else. Yeah, there are issues with Jeremy Corbyn, uh, particularly involving involving anti-Semitism. We could talk about those. Yes, there's probably... There's probably something to be said for a rejection of hard-left socialism, but I actually don't interpret it this way. I interpret two things that happened. One, a simple message of get Brexit done, sold. Secondly, if you look at the results precinct by precinct, most of the, or, or constituency by constituency, over the 650 members of Parliament, most of the swing away from labor happened most in the places that had the most blue-collar workers. There was more lending of the vote, for the most part, to the Tories in the places that were most working-class districts, many of them places around Newcastle and, and, and up, in, up in the northern part of the country, which places I had visited, which had long been the labor's bastion. Their, their strongholds were in the northern part and then, and then around the working class neighborhoods, uh, uh, suburbs around around London. That was where they held their strength. They kept the stuff around London, but they lost a lot of their seats up north. And those were working class neighborhoods that were like, "I've had enough of this. Let's just get this done." That's what happened. That's what happened there. Because we only have an hour. That's all I can tell you about that. But six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. You can certainly uh, cut in and say, "Well, I want to know more about that." Certainly welcome to do that. You can reach us at Twitter at pound kbrs. We'll we'll do news of the the, the economic news of the week here in the United States. We had a Fed meeting. We're going to talk about that uh, and and its impact. But and I want to talk about the news of the week. But we're we're largely going to turn to to talking about the impact of the tra- of what appears to be the trade deal. And I say that because we're getting we're still getting mixed signals. I went and read the Global Times this morning. I typically stay away from it because it is 
it is a, a, a it is a newspaper that is fiercely loyal to the to the Chinese Communist Party. Frequently, when I'm reading that, it it is an English language representation of what the hard left of China and and those really attached to the communist the ruling communist party want to say. It's talking about lots of other things. It is not talking about the trade deal. So you're going to forgive me if I if if I don't just jump on board and say say yep it's done and everything's fine. We've seen this before. Um, I have seen more head fakes from from this uh, than than uh, than uh, a LeBron James drive to the basket. I'm just I'm not I'm not yet I'm not yet sold. I'm not yet sold that the deal's the deal. I want to see ink on paper before I'm really willing to say that. But from what appears to be the deal. I, I have I have fair amount to I have fair amount to say about what appears to be the deal. I have a fair amount to say about what the USMCA agreed to this week between between the U.S. and 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 between the Trump administration and the 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 Democrat leadership in the House. It, the the deal that I thought was marginally good is probably now about a wash. It might even be marginally negative, but I'm not certain enough to really put that out there in in, in, in bright ink. It's it's it was marginally good before, and, and and to say it's less marginally good, that margin's super super thin, and it could leak over to the it's bad. I'm not going to. We'll tell you a little bit about about that. I want to talk about what happened there uh, as well. Uh, but the economic news of the week. Uh, fair, not great. Retail sales was down. Uh, uh, well, they were up one tenth percent on the core number, uh, two tenths below the expectation, and down from the three tenths growth in October. Now there was a slight up revision. There was an up revision to the October numbers. Now it's very interesting to me. We're talking. I was talking with somebody, and I, I somebody through Twitter, and I, I'm actually not sure I know how this works. You have to do a seasonal adjustment to to all these data, and they're done. And there's a routine. The census keeps a routine in place, and they continually update it. So they adjust for where holidays happen within a month. So Thanksgiving was super late this year, this this year, and in, and such that it was so late on the twenty eighth that. Now, all of that should get worked out in seasonal adjustment between to to actually properly allocate between the November, you know, allocate the November sales. But I'm not exactly sure how you take a December first figure and move some of and try to pull some of that into into November, and I'm particularly not sure how that gets done. When the amount of sales that are happening on the Monday through Friday of the following week keeps increasing, Cyber Monday becomes a bigger and bigger event, and how much we actually sell in the Monday through Friday 
in the in the Monday, excuse me, in the in the Friday, Saturday, Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend is decreasing, particularly that in the brick and mortars. So, I read the retail sales, and there's part of me that's just going to say, I'm really not sure one tenth percent here or there is a number that we should have any certainty about. So. My verdict is take the retail sales numbers, put them over here on the side. What I want to talk about the inflation numbers should be popping up just now in our Twitter feed at pound KBRS. That's the Twitter feed for the King Banyan show here. Some information about what CPI did this past week, and we're going to talk about that coming up just next here on the King Banyan show on Business 1440. This Soldier Greeting is brought to you by Snelling Heating, keeping homeowners warm and comfortable for over 85 years. I'm Sergeant Kohler from Oak River, Minnesota. I want to give a shout out to my wife, Kristen, and my kids, Brandon Kinsley, and go Gophers. Snelling Heating is proud to salute our soldiers serving to keep us safe this holiday. At Snelling, they work 24-7 to keep you and your family warm on our cold Minnesota nights. Be sure your family is safe this holiday by scheduling a 21-point furnace checkup today at snellingcompany.com. Did you know my mom's going to have a baby? She is. Will it be a boy? Or will it be a girl? We don't know yet, but we heard the heartbeat, and my dad said this is going to be someone very special. You mean like being a president? Or maybe a doctor? Well, probably maybe like a singer or dancer, I think. Hello, my name is Marianne Koharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. We know that every baby is a miracle and has the potential to do great things. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please call 1-800-366-7773 or visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. Hello, I'm Mark Stoneman, president of WNAV Audiovisual. WNAV Audiovisual provides equipment and technicians for events of all sizes, from a handful of people to large ballrooms and convention centers as well. We also provide installation services for churches, schools, and corporations. No matter how many people are at your event, WNAV has the technicians and expertise along with the equipment to make each event successful. Audiovisual services include equipment such as sound systems, microphones, projection systems with screens, laptops, draping, lighting, and all the related equipment, and also web streaming services. So your meeting can go beyond the four walls of your space. WNAV Audiovisual, where your meeting is our business. Please contact us at WNAV-video.com. Are you looking for accessories for your pressure washer? American Pressure in Robbinsdale is the authority. From rotor nozzles to flat surface cleaners, extending wands, sewer jetting hose and nozzles, undercarriage cleaners, hose reels, and more. We've got it all for you. Visit us at AmericanPressure.com. American Pressure.
Welcome back, King Banyan Show. This is 1440. Thank you for listening today. Lots to talk about, not much time. Uh, but I will tell you, right now, we are planning, after the after this one-hour show today, just one hour to make way for Bison football coming up at 10 o'clock, um, I'm hopping in the car, and I'm actually going down to the mothership. Because if you join us at 1 o'clock over on AM 1280, The Patriot, the, Mitch, the, the Northern Alliance Radio Network, Mitch Berg's show, we're getting the we're getting the band back together. It's going to be me. It's going to be Brad Carlson. It's going to be Mitch Berg, the usual Northern Alliance Radio Network, with special guest Ed Morrissey of HotAir.com. And what are we going to talk about? I want you to get your ideas in right now. Worst sitcoms of the 1980s. I'm not sure why it's old enough to have seen a sitcom from the 1980s, let alone have an opinion on the worst. But I'm pretty sure many of you have a have a candidate or two. I'm not going to tell you what mine are. If you want to actually know, you're going to have to tune in at 1 o'clock today over on our sister station, AM 12A, The Patriot. We'll talk about worst sitcoms of the 1980s. Oh, my goodness, there were many. Um, I've dug out three, uh, what I would call three beauties. Um, only one of which my guess is many people will remember. And not in a fond way. 651-289-4477. You can chip in there, or you can chip in on on, uh, on Twitter using the hashtag PoundKBRS. Give us your ideas about what you think the worst sitcom of the 1980s was. Um, I, um, uh, I am, uh, I, I, I wanted to, we got not very much time, so I'll make sure we cover the, the waterfront. One, one piece of news. I have not talked as much about inflation as I believe I should. I have not talked as much about, to me, the issues regarding debt and trade that are in their connection. And we're going to do that in the next two segments. But let's let's take a look. One of the pieces of news that comes out uh, during the middle of the month are the producer and consumer price indexes, and the numbers that were in there are kind of are fairly important. CPI in November rose three tenths percent month over month. That's two tenths percent on the core CPI rate. So headline number is up two point one percent versus one point eight percent in October. The core rate is at 2.3%. Now, using our hashtag PoundKBRS, I have posted for you, um, I'm gonna, I, there it is over here. I've posted the median uh, consumer price index series that is collected by, the, collected by the Cleveland Federal Reserve. Because CPI itself is a weighted average, it's true. But you'll get numbers that are going up a lot and down a lot. A, a consumer price index is based on a basket of goods for which you measure the cost of that basket at different points in time. Some things in the basket are rising rapidly. Some things in the basket are falling rapidly. So we're, since we're going to talk about China, one important point to keep in mind, right? Their CPI is rising at more than 4.5% on the headline number. But that's being fueled in no small part by the fact that basically prices for pork products have doubled because of the impact of African swine flu on their 
on their uh, um, on 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 their food food uh, it prices. African swine flu has just wiped out um, uh, pork production in many parts of China, and they're having to import lots of lots of foodstuffs to make up for that. Um, Hold on to that thought because that that plays in my thoughts about what happened with the with the China deal that may or may not have been signed yesterday. If you look if you look at this chart that I've posted for you at Pound KBRS, you'll have to click the link that got posted about ten minutes ago. Just go to just go to twitter.com, search for Pound KBRS, you'll get the feed for this show. And if you go there and look at that, the CPI itself coming up to 2.05 is simply coming toward the median CPI, the trimmed mean CPI, which just means I'm going to take the I'm going to take the middle two-thirds of the CPI basket, the one-sixth of the basket where prices are growing the least or or are falling, we're going to cut those off. We're the one-sixth of the basket that's rising the fastest, we're going to cut those off. We're going to just look at the two-thirds in the middle. What's happening with that? You will see from our measurement that over the last over over the last several months, uh, since about a and indeed going back almost a full year, headline CPI has been running below these numbers. Now, you're welcome to tell me or remind me that, in fact, the Federal Reserve doesn't pay attention to CPI. It looks at P, at core. PCE inflation, PCE stands for personal consumption expenditures. I say PCE because it takes less time. But if you do the same median estimate, take all the goods that are in that are in personal consumption expenditures, rank them, rank them in terms of their price increase over the last year, from the least to the most, and take the one in the middle. That comes out to a two point seven rate. That's not what the Fed is using. But our point being, those inflation measures converge over time. There's convergence toward a median statistical property. It kind of has to. There's a, there's the trimmed mean CPI. There's convergence toward that number. Now there have been statements made over the last few weeks that I think are I think are quite interesting by Federal Reserve officials to indicate that one of the things they wish to say is if we're committed to a 2% price target or inflation target we're committed to it in a symmetric way meaning that they're going to be comfortable allowing 2% percent 2.5% inflation over a certain period now I made note early this week about the passing of Paul Volcker I cut my teeth in economics during during the time of Paul Volcker. When he became he became the chair of the Federal Reserve two weeks before I took my first graduate course in economics, that back in nineteen seventy nine. And so my entire time in graduate school and my first couple years as a as a professor of economics here at St. Cloud State were spent during the time of Paul Volcker. Paul Volcker um brought the inflation rate or the misery rate I love I like talking about it in terms of the misery rate okay something invented as a as a campaign rhetoric rhetorical device by the Jimmy Carter campaign in 1976 
to beat up on Jerry Ford in the battle for the election then, which, of course, Carter won. The misery index is simply the summation of the unemployment rate and the inflation rate. And, and I pointed out that, in essence, the battle to bring that misery index down was won. Somewhat, some, some part of it has to go to Reagan, no question. But some part of it has to go to Volcker. Because he put us through a gut-wrenching recession, which I don't think there was an option to. And took enormous amounts of grief. If you've never found this book, if you're interested in the Federal Reserve, and I know I've got my listeners who, who love to talk about the Fed. Okay, William Grider's Secrets of the Temple, published in the early 1980s, is the story of the first term of, of uh, Paul Volcker, who, again, passed away this week, age of 92. And in doing, and talks about, talks about that. I remember hearing at the time from people I highly respected, well, I thought we were able to disinflate an economy through a credible policy that wouldn't cause an increase in unemployment. I never thought that was true. And I had people when I posted a, a, I posted a piece over on my, if you go to uh, Banyan.net, I actually have a blog there that, that you could read that has a, has a post uh, titled Paul Volcker RIP, and it's been reproduced over at ricochet.com. You can find it there as well. Um, and in that piece, I said, hey, he did a great job. He, he is responsible for the, for the deflation. Somebody, some commenter says back to me, yeah, he did such a great job. The dollar's worth only 29 cents compared, you know, now versus where it was 40 years ago. And what, I, what my response was, well, let's do the math. If inflation had continued for 40 years at the rate that it was running through the four years prior to Volcker, how much would your dollar be worth? And the answer is about two-tenths of one cent. So, yeah, 29 cents versus point, point 0.2 cents. Volcker did a lot. But my point, my point here is we're, Volcker created the, the disinflation from which we have benefited over the last 30, well, yeah, 30 years. That, that's not assured to continue. And when I see inflation numbers running at this level, I say to myself, perhaps, perhaps we should remember our Paul Volcker and say to ourselves, you know what, we paid a pretty heavy price to get inflation out of this economy uh, 40 years ago. Let's not... Let's let's not give up the the value of that investment through inattention to to this, particularly in a world where three and a half percent unemployment are people are saying, but you could get more workers. You could. It's like, yeah, we could. But my ten words of applied economics: at what cost, compared to what, and how do you know? What I know is, on many measures, inflation is slipping ahead of two percent. I'm not sure how long we should be accepting that accepting that outcome. We'll come back. We'll talk about the trade deal, and I'm going to talk about the, the Federal Reserve meeting, the FOMC meeting this week in its context right after this. King Banyan Show, Business 1440.
If you want to see the most amazing selection of fine watches in the Midwest, you have to visit the beautiful showroom at Wicks & Jewelers Bloomington. When you see their collection of the world's most exclusive watch brands, you'll understand why they're one of the leading watch retailers in the country. Most stores are lucky enough to carry just one of these brands, but Wicks & Jewelers carries all of the best watch brands under one roof. The expert staff at Wixens will provide you with expertise and service you can't find anywhere else. Wixen Jewelers, just off 35W in Bloomington. It may not require a textbook, but it's filled with valuable lessons. It may not take place in a classroom, but it's an ideal environment for learning. It may not involve a diploma, but it can help prepare Minnesota's young people for life. It's high school sports. High school sports can play a critical role in a student's overall education. In fact, studies show that students that participate in high school sports are more likely to enjoy greater levels of achievement in their academic lives. If you think high school sports are only about competition, think again. Better yet, think about attending a high school sporting event in your community. You'll be amazed by what you see. High school sports. A winning part of a complete education. This message presented by the Minnesota State High School League and the Minnesota Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Giving your computer problems a boot. Arby's Computer Service. When you want your computer fixed right the first time, Arby's is the place. Hi, this is Randy from Arby's Computer Service. Why is it that your cell phone is replaced every two to three years with no thought about cost, but when it comes to your computer in your office, you try and hold out five to six years or longer to do the same? Arby's Computer Service. What is that loss in productivity doing to your bottom line? Do you know that we can sell you a brand new commercial computer that is super fast for less than the cost of your new iPhone or Android phone? Why are you waiting? Call us today. We can be reached at 763-441-3884. That's 763-441-3884. Or on the web at rbsmn.com. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. When it comes to replacing your windows and doors, ignorance is not bliss. You only want to have to do it once, and you don't want to make a mistake. Great Plains Windows and Doors has been helping homeowners all over the Twin Cities with their replacement needs, utilizing the entire line of Anderson Core product, including the most popular 400 series, which contractors trust the most, and they're made right here in Minnesota. Now that sounds like bliss. For a truly remarkable experience, contact Great Plains Windows and Doors at greatplainswindows.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show. Business 1440. I was at a charity benefit uh, last weekend, and I heard this song. And it's one of those free songs where it's like, yeah, I, I, I dance as well as I, d- I dunk a basketball. But um, there's some things that just make you go, yeah, I got I to gotta move to that a little bit. Okay? Nothing like a little earth, wind, and fire. Uh, six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. So, so this week, I mean, there's just so many things. Two hours would not have been enough for today's show. We only get one. Okay, so we're going to do this really fast. The Federal Reserve met on Wednesday, 
it had it 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 came out and said no change in policy we're not and indeed one of the things that was a little bit disappointing about it was it it didn't say anything regarding what they might do as regards um the tightness in the uh particularly in the overnight repurchase market there's there's a little bit of statement in there but we're not really sure I'm not really sure yet what the long-term strategy is to deal with the funding issues for for um those who need uh, overnight liquidity need have overnight liquidity needs. There's a program in place that runs through the end of this year and I assume the Fed decided to get some distance between the FOMC statement and whatever they're going to do with that, which makes me a little nervous because if they had it if they had what they thought was for sure a program that they wanted to highlight they would have highlighted it at this meeting, and they didn't really. They did talk about trade, though, almost almost in the sense of of, of presaging uh, the, um, the 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 deal that that was done yesterday. And this was Jay Powell. Just a, we're going to just take a small clip of Jay Powell today in our shortened show. Uh, but this was him talking about the impact of trade and trade uncertainty on the Fed's outlook and how they're managing monetary policy. Let's play that cut. Well, I, I did see the news today that um, it appears there's an agreement to, to move forward to a vote on USMCA. And, of course, it's not our role to comment on, uh, on particular trade policies or criticize them one way or the other or evaluate them. I will say, though, that getting uh, – if if the deal were to be enacted, then it would certainly remove some of the trade policy uncertainty, and that would be, I believe, a positive for the economy. And I'll say the same thing uh, about the the negotiations with China, which haven't reached that point yet. Um, we've been hearing from our uh, our people that we talk to, the many many people that, and businesses that we talk to in uh, in through the reserve banks that wind up being written up in the beige book, and they've been telling us all year for a year and a half really that trade policy uncertainty is weighing on the outlook. And I do think that, um, again, without commenting on at, in any way on the process or the, or the content of the agreement, I think that uncertainty, removal of uncertainty around that would, would be a positive for the economy as well. So, so they make this – so, again, within that you heard there's a vote now on USMCA. As I, as I said uh, at, the, at the top of the show this morning, I think the USMCA deal was marginally positive. I would have voted for it. I'm not 100% sure I understand what's going to be in the legislation that does things like, does things that are, that, I mean, there were some changes made that removed some of the uh, the intellectual property protections that specifically regarding biologics. That's a concern for me. But the biggest concern for me is there's a, the deal's really only a six-year deal. The benefit of trade policies and and trade agreements are that they provide certainty to investors, to businesses, to be able to make smart decisions about where to produce goods, in what quantities, what kinds of what kinds of machinery are you going to invest in, where are you going to locate it, what kind of supply chains are going to be are going to be profitable over what length of time. If this deal needs another look in six years. I think that I think this is just I think this is absurd. Okay? It makes me wonder if I would vote for it if I actually had a vote. I I need to see some of the other pieces of it. 
But I, but I, as I've said on the show in the past, I think there are parts of it that are positive. So anyway, and I'll, I'll in the interest of time, I'm going to just set that that comment aside here. You can you can certainly fire back at at, at Twitter at pound KBRS. You can call us at six five one two eight nine four four seven seven two eight nine four four seven seven. If you wish, I'd be very interested in hearing what you think. Do you think they should sign this deal? Do you think a deal that you know? That was agreed to, but basically between uh, Robert Lighthizer, the U.S. Trade Rep, and Nancy Pelosi's office, and the head of the AFL-CIO, does that give you enough concern to say, "Hey, maybe we shouldn't be supporting this deal. Maybe we should just tear it up"? Um, I don't know. I'm, I, I was marginal before. I'm marginal now. I'm a little more negative. I think on balance, and the biggest issue for me is is the six-year reopening. Um, of the of the deal right remember it's supposed to be a replacement for nafta nafta was done by 1994 it lasted 25 years the expansion of trade among the three countries of 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 north america is exponential and i i contend i i still run into from time to time I hear people try to argue that NAFTA was a bad deal, including from from this this administration. There are parts of NAFTA. NAFTA need to be updated. There's no question. But NAFTA was good for the United States. It was good for Mexico. It was good for Canada. This basically is the same program with some stuff that we wanted and some stuff that I think we don't want on balance. It's better than having nothing. But if 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 what it if if it's this or I go back to WTO rules, I'll vote for this. If it's this versus I keep the old NAFTA, that's the one where I'm like, eh, I don't know. I don't know. So anyway, he comes out and says, so Powell says, hey, the, the, the trade deal, that's some uncertainty, and we see it in our, our reports from our districts. It's been an issue for us. So fast forward 36 hours later. There's news that there appears to be a deal. The Wall Street Journal breaks breaks the news in, in the paper, and my paper's on the on a, on a table I can't reach right this second, but says there's a deal. Here's what's in the deal. We're going to buy more agricultural products, okay, and that's going to be good for us. And the number I hear is forty to fifty billion dollars. I'm like, they can't do forty to fifty billion dollars. Tell me where forty to fifty billion dollars of agricultural product in the United States is currently laying around in silos or or in fields or wherever waiting to be shipped to China and just being blocked. Show me where that is. Do you, okay. Levels of agricultural export to China before before 2017 we're in the 17 to 19 billion dollar range. It's fallen. It's about half of that right now. But to get to 40 to 50 billion dollars when I first heard it, it's like we're going to get 40 to 50 billion dollars next year. I'm like, "Oh, I, I just don't think that could be right. There's just not enough. There's not enough there." Okay? So, it turns out when when they looked at these at the numbers, okay? I'm going to open up the fact sheet that goes with this. Um, that China would do this over two years, not one year. 
multitude of, of non-tariff barriers would come down, and they promised to expand by, by 40 to $50 billion between 2020 and 2021. That's different. That's still a lot. I, okay, so I'll go back and revise my, my number. Where's the $20 billion in extra exports lying in the United States? Remember, China has an issue with African swine flu. It needs food products. It needs pork. It, its people want pork. Where are they buying it from? They're buying it from other countries because they've decided they don't want to buy it from the United States because the United States is, is bad to them. Okay, so what happens next? They go to, say, they get their soybeans from Brazil. Where was Brazil sending them before? Well, don't know, but now Brazil's not sending them to wherever they went before. Now they're going to China. Let's suppose Brazil before was sending them to Europe. Now the Europeans are like, well, I can't get my soybeans from Brazil anymore because those are going to China. Where can I buy them from? American farmers are like, yoo over here. It's just diversion of trade. You change the pattern of trade, but the volume doesn't change. A fair amount of the, of the product that's being sent from the United States to China on this deal was just being sent someplace else before. Right? And in the meantime, you've got, you've got a country that's, that's hungry because they can't get pork. If you throw pork products into this, that might add some some actual real gains. But that means, of course, what happens here in the United States. If the United States now is going to help out China by, by sending pork there, what happens next? This is the good economist, right? The good economist is always like, okay, then what happens? If you send more pork to China, the price of your bacon is going up. The price of your ham your your you know all of your pork products are going to go up in price you're going to be happy about that i don't know i don't know but i want to point out one more thing about this one more connection that that really sticks in my craw that people seem to be forgetting but i'm going to we're going to and we're also going to of course have to hear from larry kudlow because larry kudlow is going to tell us what an awesome awesome deal this is King Banyan Show, Business 1440. We'll be right back. Business 1440 is KYCR, Golden Valley. Sebastian Gorka here for Relief Factor, the 100% drug-free supplement that was formulated by doctors to help your body deal with inflammation and pain. The reason I've told so many of my friends about the three-week quick start is because as we get older, occasional aches and pains can be a real problem, keeping you from sleeping through the night or doing the things you love and need to do, like taking walks or playing golf, going up or downstairs, or simply playing with your kids or grandkids. Tens of thousands are now like me, glad they ordered the three-week quick start for just nineteen ninety-five. After years of back pain, I found relief, and I believe you could too. Folks, this is why the father and son owners of Relief Factor, Pete and Seth Talbot, created the three-week quick start, and they discounted it to only nineteen ninety-five. Approximately 70% of those who order it go on to order more. Let's see if we can get you out of pain too. Go to relieffactor.com, relieffactor.com, or call 800-500-8384. The Business VIP Club and New American Funding want to pay your mortgage next year. 
This is Tom Matiney from New American Funding, and I'm excited to be the sponsor of the Christmas Mortgage Miracle Contest. If you win, we'll pay your mortgage or rent for all of next year. That's extra money to take a family vacation, put in a pool, or help a friend in need. Enter once a day from now through December 20th at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. The Christmas Mortgage Miracle from the Business VIP Club and me, Tom Matiney, at New American Funding. There is nothing that they won't do to get you the help you need to become a successful student at Online Trading Academy. My name is Brian. I've been with Online Trading Academy since November 2016. What OTA has done for me, they've really opened my eyes into how the financial markets work and how a financial advisor, how do mutual funds work and how do they make money and what the expense is to me for them giving me their advice. Teaching me that I can be in control of that is really helping me save the expense that they had been taking out of my portfolio. The only criteria that you need is the internal desire to want to become a trader and take financial control of your life. Call today for a free investing class at 952-814-4410 or go to learnwithota.com. Dad, guess what? What? You are going to be a grandfather. That's great. Not too long ago, moments like this with my daughter would have been a challenge. It was a long road for me to find myself again after Vietnam. It was my neighbor Jim, another Vietnam veteran, who finally convinced me that I could still connect with my family and find that fulfilling life I'd lost. And I went for help down at the VA. If I can take that first step after almost 50 years, I know other veterans can too. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. Ag purchases in the 40 to 50 range, that's over a two-year period. Uh, do I think it's doable? Yes. Does Mr. Lighthizer think it's doable? Yes. Does President Trump think it's doable? Yes, absolutely. Well, sure, it's doable. King Daniel Show, Business 1440. And again, that two-year piece, I think, has been lost on several people, but but comes out of the, word, out of the mouth of uh, Larry Kudlow, that, as you just heard. And so it makes it makes it a little more doable to my mind if it's a two-year thing rather than a one-year thing uh i think there's i i i will say the fact sheet that uh the ustr office uh put out u.s trade representative office put out uh yesterday the statement the the general statement that was posted uh on their website and the comments from the president that 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 i've heard um all of them would would meet, lead you to think it's a one year it's a one year thing. It's not a one year thing. It's a two. It's probably a two year thing. But there is a lot of uncertainty out there. Let's play one more. Uh, let's let's play one more uh, uh, cut from Larry Kudlow. This was a longer answer that he that he gave yesterday. Uh, this is um, this is uh, from this is the other uh, Kudlow cut. Go ahead and play that, please, Wyatt. If a complaint is brought. It will be brought to the staff level. If it is not resolved, then it will go to a deputy's level for further examination and discussion. If it is not resolved at that point, it would go to the principal's level uh, for further examination and analysis. That would be Vice Premier Liu He of China and uh, Trade Ambassador Lighthizer. And then, frankly, if it's not resolvable, some economic valuation 
uh, will be ascribed and actions will be taken. Uh, no question, there could be tariff actions taken as an enforcement tool. I think people hope it doesn't get to that point. These are good faith negotiations. But sure, look, I mean, if you look at the profile of the tariff adjustments, and I think this is very important. I just spoke with the president only a few minutes ago about this. Uh, the December tariffs have been taken off. The September tariffs have been halved. But we've kept uh, the $250 billion uh, original tariffs at 25%. We have done that in the interest of the United States, in the interest of the president and his leverage, precisely to deal with potentialities such as you've suggested, where there is uh, disputes that are not resolved. I'm not forecasting. I'm just right. saying, as a matter of fact, that's the way we've structured this to make sure that there's an insurance policy for the American worker. There you go. So what they here? So here's what they've said: there are there are going to be disputes about intellectual property, and and it's understood that this was the big get, along with along with the the the, the, the ag products. The other big get was they had to have the I, the intellectual property protections put back. They are saying, all right, we have these tariff structures in place. We didn't give them all back. They basically went halfway on the September increases, and they've, they've suspended the, the ones that were supposed to come on tomorrow. In return for that, they say, we already have established what we could do if it turns out you're going to cheat on us. And this is, you know, and this is what's going to have you cheat on this. This is an administration that does not give you firm signals regarding investment. This is an administration that's not willing to give you these firm signals. I want to play this. This is Richard Clarida. He uh, is the vice chair of the Federal Reserve. After the announcement of the China trade deal, he was on CNBC. I think this is CNBC. Let me... Let me double check and make sure I can remember this. No, on Fox Business, excuse me, uh, yesterday, and he's asked about this. He's asked about the deal, and he gives this response, Richard Clarida. Well, it's too soon. I, what I would say, Liz, is any any reduction of uncertainty is is a good thing. I think uncertainty about trade policy has been a factor in the uh, economy, and so any resolution of that uncertainty, assuming it's a good deal, is obviously a positive for the economic outlook. So. So yes, a good deal is great. It would be great for us. There is something to be said, all right, for the fact that the president has pulled back some of that uncertainty. You're basically back to where we were in May. This was probably a deal you could have had six months ago. It's not that big a deal. It's, in fact, to me, in my mind, a fairly small deal. But it at least takes some of the uncertainty out of the process. But it actually leaves a little bit in, in the case of any of these disputes that might happen. It doesn't take off all the tariffs. And indeed, the South China Morning Post, the one place where I saw comments being made, this is someone from the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences, uh, Lu Shang, and 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 CAS is is a official organ of the of the Chinese government. So I, so I'm treating it as if it's one of it's a statement of them. He said, Lu Shang said, the extent of the tariff rollback by the United States is limited. 
China's announcement that the U.S. will offer more exemptions and how it and how it will proceed have yet to be reflected in the U.S. statements. They are waiting for more before they're willing to give more. That's what I mean by saying it's a really, really small deal. We know that the president pays the most attention to what happens with the trade deficit per se. Here's my here's my question. The the gover- the US government has come to an agreement between the legislative and executive branches on the budget deficit that we'll have for the next for the for the next few months at least and probably a deal that'll take us through 2020. Our deficit our budget deficit is high. We know from economic theory that the budget deficit to be financed requires a trade deficit of similar size unless you get a huge amount of savings that's in excess of private investment. If this government is serious about reducing trade deficits, it needs to take some leadership in demonstrating its seriousness by arguing for smaller budget deficits. It needs to address spending per se. It may, in fact, have to make some statements about about how many of the tax breaks that they gave do they really want to carry forward on a permanent basis and maybe they need to think about giving a few of those back because until then we're going to have trade deficits as far as the eye can see and at least under this administration that's going to cause people to continue to make to to have tariffs go on tariffs go off tariffs go on tariffs go off and that's bad for the economy Stand by for Bison Football. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next week on the King Banyan Show. Digital marketing is a big part of just about every business. It's everywhere. Is your business using it to your advantage? Are you receiving your share of the leads? If you're not effectively using digital media, you could be losing sales by the second. Even worse, your customers can be grabbed up one by one, never to return. Not sure if you're losing out to the competition? Salem Surround can help you. We give you all the right tools to surround your target audience and turn website visitors into leads. Salem Surround is a full-service digital agency providing you with all your marketing under one roof. Total market penetration for increased return on investment. Contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital presence and to learn more how we can help you place your advertising message in front of today's digital consumers. Salem Surround helps deliver customers by putting your business message in front of the right person at the right time. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. This is Jerry Boyer of Town Hall Finance for townhall.com. The news coming out of the election in the U.K. is huge. The question in our country is simple. Are the Democrats paying attention? Jeremy Corbyn, the radical leader of Britain's Labour Party, just led his party to its greatest defeat in nearly 100 years. He ran on a platform of complete, unrestrained left-wing insanity. British politics tends to be a few years ahead of American politics. Thatcher preceded Reagan, Blair preceded Bush, and Boris Johnson preceded Trump. So Democrats should be listening. As it turns out, completely unmitigated left-wing insanity isn't an enticing deal for coal miners. The industrial labor class is not likely to vote for candidates promising deindustrialization and massive tax hikes to pay for free college. If the Democratic leadership wants to win, they should hit the brakes and cut out AOC and her Corbynista pals. The alternative is political irrelevance. I'm Jerry Boyer. Publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu 
If you are experiencing hair loss, let this be the year to make a new hair's resolution. I'd like to introduce you to the only permanent solution to hair loss. I need more hair.com. Hi, I'm Mike Greenlee, familiar voice with Minnesota hockey fans. If you have hair loss and want more hair, go to INeedMoreHair.com. You will find some of the most experienced hair transplant specialists in Minnesota. Their doctors have given patients from around the world, including some of the most prominent celebrities, a full head of hair, and they can do the same for you. Here's the best part. Their technique is so advanced, the results are guaranteed in writing, and their prices are the best in the business. Prices as low as $3 per graft. Their office is conveniently located in Egan. INeedMoreHair.com will allow you to see a more confident reflection of yourself. That's INeedMoreHair.com. The consultations are free, and the results are amazing. Check out INeedMoreHair.com for complete details. That's INeedMoreHair.com. Experience you can trust. Prices you can afford. Let this be the year to make a new hair's resolution. Check out INeedMoreHair.com.